0: Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections, from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn.
1: Hi and welcome to Things Worth Considering. I am Gord Dredell and I am here with none other than my host, Dr. Jan Hill. Woo-hoo. How are you doing, Jan? Beauty. Yeah? You staying warm?
2: Uh I am. I, I am. hate this weather. I am.
1: <laughs> I love this weather. I know, I'm looking for palm trees. No. So um, tell me, do you think people are good listeners? Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> touche all right no, you no, get that no. one you yeah i already thing? did
2: that joke now so you I can't do that joke this whole <laughs> next hour do i think people are good listeners uh no i don't
1: okay why yeah. not
2: uh because I don't, I don't think we're taught to listen like it, and you, it seems like a kind of a basic thing, right? Like, okay, you have to have a conversation. You have to be prepared to listen. But what we do know, too, is that the human mind actually phases in and phases out of conversations really, really quickly. You know, every 30 seconds. you're. I'm like, sorry, what? when did you get here? Your- exactly, right? <laughs> Where's my sister, right? So it's like, you know, even if we're good listeners, if we're paying attention, if we really want to listen, I think unless we have really a trained mind, a mind trained for listening, then uh, we just don't really listen. It's hard well. work. It's hard work.
1: Yeah, it's exhausting. Like if you're counseling at the end of the day, it's it's really quite exhausting. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and those are the listening professions, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. You know, people think that we're listening, um, but we get that a little confused sometimes with hearing.
0: Mm -hmm. We
1: hear, but that's a function of our brain. Uh, listening is a is like it's a physiological function, mm-hmm. whereas listening is a mental function. Mm-hmm. It's something we actually have to make a decision that uh, uh, we're actually going to do, you know. Um, and if um, you know it's uh, we're not listening, then we can get into all kinds of problems,
2: right? And I think the other thing is too that sometimes, like, there's different ways to listen that we don't really pay attention to, right? So sometimes when we're listening, we're listening for the meaning of something. Or the connection, yes. we're thinking the relationally, hopefully, right? Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, and the meaning varies with context. And sometimes we're actually listening for what's not there.
1: What's not there, exactly, right? exactly. Wonder what they really mean by that.
2: Ah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, so there's a whole, a whole section of us that's, you know, sitting and it's trying to, like, figure out what it is that you're really saying, uh, which is not listening. But the other thing, too, that we do is sitting and preparing for what our response is going to be. Yep. So about halfway through your sentence, I'm already now thinking about what yep. I'm going to say. So I lose the whole second half yep. when you might actually have negated what you just said. Yep. <laughs> and well, I come in from a different place and you're like, were you even listening?
2: Yeah. Cause that's, that again goes to show that the focus is on talking, right? What it is I have to say to you. So I'm just waiting for there a break in the conversation for me to say, you know, Gord, Blah 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 blah. Exactly, right?
1: and we have we have a real um, in in our language. I mean, we expect when we're talking that it is like back forth, back forth, back mm. forth, like a game of tennis. If there's like a pause, it's like, did I say something wrong? Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, did you just suddenly have a stroke? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's you know, what's going on here? Uh, and it's simply because uh, I'm pausing to take a, you know, just listen. To myself, what's going on, right. in, in order to formulate, you know, I, our uh, our language really does give us two different uh, uh, two different words. Uh, I'm not sure how many others do, but uh, you know, our our ears is for hearing, ah. hearing. Hear. Whereas uh, what we have to okay. do with our brain is listening, and that's you know, we've never been diagnosed as having lost our listening. <laughs> we've lost our hearing but we yeah. never lose our, our listening so listening is something that we do and it's just so incredibly respectful
2: well and that actually suggests that when we think about listening it's not necessarily only about what we hear right which kind of fits into that idea of where we're listening when we're listening we're paying also attention to what is not there right so can we listen when we're listening we're also paying attention to people's body language so we can
1: Oh listen yeah. listen to
2: people's body language. We yeah. can you know, listen to the background noises. We can listen to their energy. We can listen to all these different things.
1: Yeah, the face of course is being, you know, yeah. absolutely, you know, the pivotal place that, that we see mm. where when someone is saying one thing, but their body is telling us a totally different story. Right. You know, right. So are we saying that they're lying? No, not necessarily. They may be totally out of touch with what really is the reality Mm -hmm. for them. The body doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. Our words, we can say anything with, Mm -hmm. but our body will give us away. And that's
2: really interesting. Have you ever had the experience? And I I bet you if the listeners think about this and actually go out today and tomorrow and actually pay attention to this in their real world, you'll notice this happens all the time where people will agree with you. They'll be saying yes, but they'll actually be shaking their head no. Right. Right? <laughs> yes. They'll be like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, I don't know if I can do it. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon's shaking his head, no.
1: Okay, but I tried to go and say yes, but I have to do it in rhythm with my head going back and forth. <laughs> okay, a little faster here. <laughs> but, uh, That's
2: a little weird, you know, Gordon. <laughs>
1: our, our listening connects us in the same way that looking someone in the eye does. Mm. It just says, I'm here. hmm. Uh, and that's just really important. It's mm-hmm. really important for all of us to show that respect. Whether it's somebody on the street or whether it's, it's, uh, it's our spouse, uh, uh, it's, that's really important. When someone can't look me in the eye, I'm very, very suspect. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, people that have severe you know, uh, esteem problems or so on, or culturally, it is not okay in certain cultures to look someone in the eye. Right. Uh, so that's why it's really important to have that knowledge of, of what is culturally appropriate and not appropriate. Some, you know, if you stare a dog in the eyes, a dog will attack you uh, until it knows you. But it, it'll take any, – any animal will take that as aggression. You My know. dog won't, but – Oh, you bring know, your dog in. Oh, I'll show you Maybe, how you know.
2: My dog's has <laughs> no, so, so Some will, but, will yeah, back down,
1: but a lot of them will take that as a sign of aggression. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you won't back down. Uh, in, in certain cultures with people, is they also feel that that's a sign of aggression. Yeah,
2: and there's all sorts of gender things, right? That looking people in the eyes is too much familiarity, stuff like mm, that. Absolutely. It's too intimate. But it's interesting, too. Um, so in Western culture, when we are speaking, we're usually looking around. And the person who's listening is usually looking at the face of the, the two Western people talking, right? Absolutely. So, the listener is looking. It's incumbent on the listener to look at the speaker. Yep. However, in indigenous culture, it's the opposite. It's disrespectful if you are looking at the person when you're listening. The idea is to look away. And so, if you think about it, right? You put an indigenous person with a Western person. Yes. Right? Right? Both people will think the other is being disrespectful exactly. when they're speaking. And in fact, if you think about the whole history of colonization, right, and sort of the um, the uh, denigration of indigenous peoples across the last 500 years, a lot of that has hinged on the perception by Westerners that uh, um, indigenous people, aboriginal people are in fact um, uncivilized or are not. You know rational thinking or't
1: or right or whatever right? because they're not doing right. it our way
2: because they're not doing it because they're actually looking away if we have a uh, if we have a child who's like you know not engaged not paying attention we think when they're looking when we're talking and they're not watching our face that they are actually just not participating right they're being bad exactly right? that they, they don't have an attention span
1: or right. they were just really boring them.
2: Yeah, well, and so that's the same thing, right? So that whole mythos, yes. that whole perception of the social relationship was placed upon indigenous people. Yep. Right? So Interesting. It's fascinating, right?
1: Interesting. Yeah. You know, it, what makes it really hard is, is our world is just so full of distractions. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it yep. started. it started off really uh, with, uh, you know, along came radio. And uh, we learned to listen to the radio at the same time that we concentrated on doing our homework. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a TV in my bedroom, so uh, mm-hmm. it was a radio that i uh, not that old. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and then, of course, then, then along came television. People sit and watch it for hours. And at the same time, they're doing their homework or, or whatever work they have to do for business or for, for school.
2: OK, I just want to be clear. I have never done that. And when I read something- You're very different. You're a quiet person. It has to be quiet, right? right? I like quiet, quiet, quiet. Now,
1: working at the university, you've got to know that this is true. Like they just sit in front of TV. Oh, I know. As much noise as possible. But the brain
2: can't process, right? It doesn't even matter. Even if they grew up with cell phones and such, right? The brain can't actually process that amount of information through the multiple neural pathways, right? Absolutely. So, So when you're reading a book with your headphones on, you might think- That you're understanding it, but if they all the studies show that you're actually not taking that in.
1: That's right. Right? That's right. You know, so after TV, then you just mentioned it, along came the cell phone, Mm. smartphone. Uh, and which keeps us dumber than we really are, mm-hmm. um, and people just can't put them away. They're highly; they're, they're just so addictive. addictive. I just I am mean, watching people the moment they walk out the door, the moment they're on the subway, they're they're just going through their phone, yeah. you know, looking for someone that might have contacted them, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And it's it's really difficult, um, you know. I mean, it has flashing lights; it even vibrates, It's constantly going, "Hey, hey, I'm over here." Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank God our televisions didn't do that. I wish uh, mine could
2: vacuum. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. I sent both of them, one upstairs, one downstairs. <laughs> um, a little Roomba. <laughs> but it's also, you know, people... I mean, this is just a manners thing, but it's also listening. You can't be having a conversation with someone at the same time as you're reading incoming text messages right. and you're responding to them mm-hmm. or you actually take a phone call. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I see two people at a table at dinner and they're, one of them's on the phone, unless they're you know a critical surgeon or a lawyer closing the biggest deal ever, mm-hmm. uh, a real estate deal or whatever, is like, I just think it's. I just feel really sorry for the person sitting there. Well, and
2: the message is, right? Even if you're sitting there with your cell phone turned down, when you come to a table or whatever and you pull up there and you're there to meet your friends and you pull out your cell phone, what you're basically telling people is that you're preparing yourself to be distracted. So they're not as important as your phone is that's as right who could possibly be contacting you and even worse is when right you get the buzz and you look over and you read the screen to see who's calling you and then you turn it upside down and go oh, i'll talk to them later so now you've just you know showed what the ranking is right <laughs>
1: exactly right you're and slightly you
2: better than my ex you know <laughs> not I mean, as important as my banker
1: right but the fact that you're ranking and then you wonder well, I wonder where I rank. <laughs> okay, <right? laughs> oh, I'll speak to him later and, um, and turn it over. Hmm. Um, that that really makes such huge comments about, you know, uh, in terms of our relationships as to where people stand. Yeah. You know, is like, oh, I'll take your call, but I ain't taking his call. Or, yeah. You know, um, just the fact that you have to have it beside you. You can't have dinner for an hour. Yeah you know and leave it in your pocket or put your purse or whatever um, that's what i find the most disconcerting as yeah. you said they have to bring it out and put it down
2: yeah like their best friend
1: exactly exactly <laughs> you know it's it, it truly is becoming very addictive yeah uh, it's really and i've mentioned this before a couple of studies are showing that it's very very similar to smoking it is the new cigarettes well, uh, actually, there are
2: studies that come out of, uh, I think it's MIT. No, it's Harvard who's doing all this research. They have longitudinal studies on this stuff. Yep. So the same area, when you're sitting in front of a slot machine, the same area in your brain lights up when you're on your phone or when you're on your Instagram checking your likes, you know, as as it does when you're sitting in front of a slot machine.
1: Well, that's a good reason why I'm not addicted to my cell phone because I don't like slot machines.
2: Yeah, slot machines are heavier to carry around, though. They
1: are. I tried one right? day, and, you know, I didn't exactly. win anything. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: I think, too, like one of the it's the other thing okay so the other thing about people looking at each other right like we can we bring into conversation with us all sorts of assumptions about what people are doing and not doing based on eye contact and stuff like right. that there's um for, there's a certain kind of thinker people who do a lot of trans what we call trans derivational searches so um when they're talking they're looking usually they're looking up left and right and mm-hmm. they're kind of looking around those people are really bad with eye contact but they're actually in a deeper state of thinking Right. than your average person. So they're, cause they're going through their, their, their eye, their eye movement is reflecting where in their brain they're going for, for information. And they're going really fast between compartments in their brain, um, trying to create all sorts of relational connections between what's, you know, what's happening in the conversation. Right. So sometimes those people are the people who you go, they don't pay attention at all. But actually, those people are paying even deeper attention.
1: Right, right, right. right? Yeah, this is, it's hard to follow someone who's doing that. But I understand it's like, you know, Microsoft going to the old days, the flashlight looking for files, looking yeah, yeah. for file. Transderivational search. There you go, and exactly. then half the time it came back saying there is no file.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Make up your own new file.
1: So there's different ways of listening.
2: Mm-hmm. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, uh, well, there's appreciative listening. Yes, um, and that's uh, you know, appreciative listening is exactly the, what the name implies. It's like we're listening to enjoy a story or music or a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to the symphony; those are all appreciative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, more it's more passive. There's usually not going to be a test on it. Right. (laughs) So you
2: might be like, what, lying on your couch listening to trance music or something?
1: Well, you could be. Or you're sitting at uh, Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto uh, listening to the Toronto Symphony. Okay. Could be doing that. You know, or watching a ballet, which requires listening to, hopefully, the music that they're moving to. But it doesn't require that. Right. Um, And then there's there's critical listening. Okay. Okay. and that involves uh, hearing what someone is saying and identifying key points in our arguments and solidifying your opinion. Um, think of it like in terms of debating or uh, how you feel when you listen to a politician speak. You don't want to hear that. Right. Um, but <laughs> that's called critical listening. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're really looking, looking to see what it is that they're trying to say that's uh, adding to our conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. You know. So you might be having a targeted conversation about something.
1: Yes, Exactly. Yeah? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and are they on? Uh, you know, are they online with us? Are they, you know, any of those kinds of things? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to be that's going to be critical thinking. And uh, I think that the next one we're going to wait for. <gasps> <laughs> okay, it's a big one I'm too. <laughs> uh, it's one that we both really are interested in. Um, but we're going to save that for after our commercials. We need to take a break here. Okay, so we're going to listen to the commercials. We are. We're going to huh. listen appreciatively. But critically.
2: Okay, excellent.
1: <laughs> okay, and uh, we will be right back to Things Worth Considering. I'm Gordon Riddell, and I'm here with Dr. Jan Hill, and we will see you in a couple of minutes.
2: on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
0: Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself.
2: We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
0: You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now. Back to Things Worth Considering.
1: Hi, and you're listening to Things Worth Considering. I'm Gord, and I'm here with Jan, and uh, we're talking about listening and why we might be having some problems with that. (laughs) We broke just before the commercial, and we're talking about appreciative listening and critical listening. And another one here is relationship listening. Ah.
0: That See, can I told get you, me going. Everybody's
1: favorite. everybody's favorite. You're not <gasps> listening to me. I hear you. I hear you. Uh-huh. Our kind of classic statements in a relationship. Yeah. I, I hear you, but you're not listening. Yep. You know, that's, uh, that's really the big one. Um, You know, relationship listening is also, it, you know, it's also therapeutic. It's also empathic listening. It, this really covers the whole relational uh, area of uh, how, we, how we hear people. Yep. How we listen to them and how we play back to them. Uh, you know, it's the only way we can ever solve any conflict, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or anything is that we have to be able to hear where another person is at, which means we have to put ourselves aside. Mm-hmm. And that's hard, mm-hmm. especially if we're really invested in being right. But that belongs to another show on conflict resolution. Right. Can I tell
2: you a story? This sure. This happened to me, like, just a few hours ago. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, how can I tell this story without giving it all away? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, so this morning somebody was I have um, apartments in my in my house and I live in a couple apartments. So somebody was moving in and out. It's minus twenty. I have all sorts of house plants in my foyer, mm. and they didn't tell me they were moving in or out. They just started moving in. The doors wide open. My plants are like ah so you know I take pretty good care of my plants so I just went out to move my plants in guy comes downstairs because he left the door open for already two hours and um, not that I was counting but uh, (laughs) yeah. anyway yeah so uh, he just sort of I just said hey could you just have texted me, let me know, and then I wouldn't move the plants before, right? So I'm a really outcome-oriented person. Yep. So he goes, he starts explaining about how it's never going to happen again because they're going to live there a really long time and and all sorts of things like that. Like, yeah, like really unrelated. And I said, I said, me, I'm in critical listening thing, right? Thinking, okay, we're going for resolution here, and I sweet, realized I have to switch over to relationship listening, basically, because he just couldn't actually relate to the idea that this kind of created a problem, but it's not a big problem, and right. all you have to do is communicate, and then there's no problem at all, and you know what I mean? Like, just tell me, right? He
1: was a total avoidance.
2: Yeah, totally, right? And yeah. going on about this, and then it turned out to be his girlfriend's fault, and all sorts of things like that, oh, right? Oh,
1: now we blame.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, it was really interesting. He's classic. So, you know, and then he went on the whole thing about, he thought, you know, that I was a, basically a cool person, so don't be mad, and I'm like, I'm not mad, just text me so then I had to go into like directive speaking right because I the relationship listening wasn't quite working because it just got more and more and more crazy but anyway that's well, my story but I, I really like that I find really annoying right because he I can't any
1: responsibility
2: no and actually he wasn't even listening right so this is the importance <laughs> of listening so a couple times I had to actually stop and say you know what that's totally irrelevant what we're actually talking about here is this is the particular issue and the particular issue for me can be solved by just texting me right and a discussion No emotion required.
1: Well, I'm glad you yeah. got here on time. That could have lasted for at least two or three I hours. I
2: know. <laughs> I know. Could have led to all sorts of violence.
1: <clears throat> well, it's it's one of those crazy ones that can spin so far out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're we're not listening, we're just simply, we're like putting out and putting out and putting out, and we're not hearing what's coming in from the other person. Right, right. And it starts to spin, and yeah. then we get into huge problems. Yeah,
2: so that's what I was actually kind of reminded of, the, of what we were going to talk about today as I'm stomping through my foyer right. with my, you know. <laughs> No one's listening to me. My little magnolia tree. It's <laughs> like, ah. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so there's one more listening
2: yeah. style? Discriminative listening. So it's when you, yeah, it's like what we were talking about earlier. It's when you look past the words and you are looking for the underlying message, right? And this is often what we do actually when we're watching movies. You know, things are blowing up on screen. Things are happening, whatever. But you're actually, especially with artistic films, you're looking at the symbolism of things. You're looking at the message, the deeper message behind what's actually happening on the screen and stuff. And this is what we're doing also in relationships with one another, right? Right, absolutely. We're paying attention to body language. We're paying attention to the face. We're paying attention to the context around. In the coaching world, we often call this deep listening.
1: Yes, yes, right? absolutely, absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, deep listening is taking in all of the all the variables that the body and the eyes and everything else and the hands are telling us. Mm-hmm. But we do we we do that. I, I also believe with with uh, politicians. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, we, we're hearing ABC, but what are they really trying to tell us here?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's probably one of the one of the areas that we're probably hopefully we're the most discriminated. And maybe
2: also with teenagers.
1: Yes, I would say that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely, because they're kind of like just learning how to manipulate.
2: Yeah, and so to be able to <laughs> listen in in a discriminative way, I think we need to have a certain amount of social intelligence, a certain amount of emotional intelligence to be able to pick up on some of those cues. Yes. Right, because the cues can be super, super, super subtle.
1: Yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. So subtle. In fact, it, they walk away, and then you go, "Oh my God, I should have. I should have caught that. Yeah. I should have heard that."
2: And I think this is interesting too. Like, so for empaths. Who pick up on people's energy. Yep. I think that sometimes they might actually lose their capacity to listen in a critical way because they're actually listening energetically. So they might not pick up on what's actually being said versus what they feel is actually happening with right. that person. Like they're listening at a deeper level.
1: Right. And their body's also yeah. giving another cue as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can have three different messages coming through. Yeah. That one person. Yeah. So it becomes you know, I mean, God love the, the empath that can actually trust that yeah. empathically to know that that is actually the truth.
2: Yeah. So you know, I'm just realizing listening is a very, very hard thing to do. It's very challenging. So no wonder we don't listen and we just talk.
1: Oh, it's very, very hard. Right? It, but because we're very difficult. Right. If people, if we were a little bit more simplistic in terms of say what you mean, mean what you say. Yeah, more transparent. And more transparent, then we wouldn't always be in this sort of, you know, mode of what do they really mean by this? Right, right. What is this really about? Though, so, I mean, how many times have you talked with a student and you just walk away going, what was that really about? Yeah. There's something sure. deeper here. For sure. But where you, it didn't come out in the conversation. Yeah. You, and sure. then they'll probably walk away saying that we need to listen to them anyway. So that always yeah. happens at school.
2: And you know too, how you we read somebody is entirely contingent upon our experience of of that ourselves. So if you grew up in a house with yeah. classic example, whole uh, uh, a noisy house where people yell a lot at each other, they might they don't even see that hear that as yelling. They might not even think it's yelling. So then you're with maybe that person is now with a spouse who's actually a quieter person or didn't grow up with yelling. Right. So it's like their voice when they're like really upset, they are like a five in terms of like volume. Right. And, but the other person doesn't kick in as something significant until they get to be an eight.
0: Hmm. Right.
2: And, but that person's never going to get to an eight because by the time they get to six, they're in divorce court. Right.
1: You know what I mean? Oh, and probably working in a library.
2: Yeah. Could be working in a library. (laughs) Right. But that's the whole thing, right? Is that we actually have to know another person well enough to know basically what those individual cues are
1: yeah for the individual absolutely I yeah. think that uh, what you're saying is important because it's really it's so perceptual
2: yeah
1: what's allowed for one person is not allowed for somebody yeah. else you know yeah. I have a friend who's who's quite loud and he always says that's because I'm, I'm Italian Italian people and it is kind of it, it is true I don't want to paint a stereotype here but you know the joke is like two elderly women and they're standing and it's, it sounds like they're screaming at each yeah. other it's like oh no they're just talking about tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it really it's cultural uh, definitely it's cultural uh, but it's definitely our perception of mm-hmm. what you know what we, we hear as being problematic or not people who are conflict avoidant for instance you know is much more likely to really listen to the tone of someone's voice right and then of course the pitch of someone's voice because the more stress we get the higher our voices go mm-hmm. so you know we're looking for that deep voice that you know it says oh he's chill it's calm I can go in there today zen zen exactly Zenda. it's just like oh, and then you see yeah. with the
2: aging population, so many people with hearing aids and you know when you have a hearing aid sometimes it's difficult to actually monitor how loud you are speaking you know? it is it is absolutely
1: because we speak based on our ability to hear ourselves.
2: yeah you
1: know what's also really interesting about listening is what our brain does mm-hmm. and that is if our brain doesn't quite hear words, it fills in the blank. Mm,
2: like broken telephone.
1: Yes. And you think you heard something that in fact was not said.
2: Right, right, And it right, can be right.
1: quite outrageous. It yeah. can be very, very funny. It's- and it can also be the entrance into an argument. Yeah. If we're not careful, it's
2: like autocorrect on your text messages. Exactly, right? I didn't
1: <laughs> exactly, say that. Really? Predictive texting. Yeah, yes. exactly, right. Uh, my my one of my 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 favorite ones was uh, someone was coming over, and I said, "Okay, well, I still need to uh, uh, shower and, and dress, etc." Well, it went out as, "I still need to shower and dress, Eric." Oh, I heard it. <laughs> and which funny again?
2: Who's Eric? Who's Eric? Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? <laughs> and it was Who's like, Eric? "What are you talking about, Eric?" You know, and it was, et cetera was converted into into Eric. this guy's name. You're yeah, and it was so funny. <laughs> that's my that's my standard Thank joke Eric. on that one, and because it, it's true. <laughs> oh, that's
2: funny.
1: Uh, but that, you know. That whole part of the brain, though, especially with the aging population, yeah. is that until we recognize we might have you know, hearing uh, loss or whatever, um, the brain will actually fill in the blank. Yeah. So we need to be careful, especially if we're in the listening profession. Especially if you really do have a
2: friend named Eric.
1: <laughs> exactly. And what <laughs> yeah, the hell is careful. he doing in your shower? Yeah, exactly.
2: Right?
1: <laughs> and why yeah. are you addressing him?
2: You know, I had, a, I had a friend a number of years ago, a uh, like really good-looking guy who was – completely deaf and sometimes we'd go out to clubs together and i would watch him so he would take out any sort of hearing aids or anything like that because it's pointless right and the clubs pointless and so he so it'd be funny we'd be at the bar or whatever and women would come up to him no problem and what he he would read lips right so but there's no indicator that he couldn't hear in this very very noisy environment so they would lean in to talk to him (laughs) Right. And he would move his head back. And actually, often he'd put his hand on their shoulder and sort of move them back away.
1: So he could see. Yeah. Yeah, So he
2: could read their lips. Right. And what would happen is, of course, they read that as like, what is this guy about, man? He doesn't want me to come near him. So they would just (laughs) turn around and leave. And, you know, we'd be going home talking about, you know, his unfortunate evening yeah yeah right and it'd be like dude they don't understand just put the turn that put the put a hearing in turn it off even and then just point to it and then they'll know what's up
1: exactly right? yeah. but he is his pride was such that he didn't want that to
2: be yeah seen. i don't know he was just like yeah why bother you know, yeah, well, I, I mean, that, that's anyway. possible,
1: but it's kind of like, I think it's kind of a a major one when we're meeting people yeah. that, you know, if I suddenly fall over, it's because I only have one leg. I yeah. should probably point that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I haven't been drinking. I only have one leg. Uh, Oops. And, and I fall over from time yeah. to time, you know. But like listening for voices, you know, uh, there, there was a, you know, growing up, always listening for the, what my mother's voice was going to be, because mm-hmm. it would immediately tell me whether I was okay or not,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: whether she was really in a bad mood. And- Over the years, that when she would phone, I noticed, still doing, and we all do it, Mm -hmm. we listen to the tone of our parents' voice. Mm -hmm. And that tells us exactly where they're at and how we're going to approach this whole thing right off the bat. Right.
2: Right.
1: Uh, Do you not notice that with your mom?
2: Uh, I don't. Not really? Not anymore, no. Okay. No, but I I I don't either because
1: she's passed away. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but if she does phone, I'm yeah. going to be listening for the tone of her voice and hope she's okay.
2: Right, right. I wonder if I can hear her through the harps. But,
1: yeah. uh, I don't know if she's quite got there yet. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, uh, people who listen, really listen to are, uh, you know, people who are close to us, our mm. brothers, our sisters, uh, certainly their spouse, parents, but especially the parents. Yeah. That, I, that never goes away. I think
2: in any environment where there's uh, precarity, like in terms of you don't really know what's going to happen, and you don't really know, has someone been drinking? Is somebody angry? Is there, how angry are they? Exactly. You know what I mean? Where there's any kind of, uh, I'm not really sure what's going on. Then the children will be hypervigilant, right? And they will be like super sensitive to that kind of
1: stuff. Absolutely. Right. But you know what? That's, that doesn't go to waste. Because, well, you know, both of us being in, in uh, working with people and listening is those are huge things that we learned at a very young mm-hmm. age to listen for. Uh, it's anyone who's working in some sort of customer service, whether it's retail or public relations. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the moment they pick up the phone, they're reading that voice mm-hmm. and, and, or, or the person who's standing in front of them in, in a retail mm-hmm. situation. Um, you know, that pitch begins to change. Any sensitivity to that, you know, we're beginning to lose this customer here.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: moving towards anger or their voice lowers. Mm-hmm. They're, we've got them calmed down now. You know all of those things. So, so you know, thinking that some of these things that happen in childhood uh, are very, very useful actually in our adulthood.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we can totally. see when someone's going to suddenly, uh, you know, kind of turn on us <laughs> or turn turn the conversation in the in the opposite direction. Uh, you know, when when the, the whole pitch, I mean, it's it's really based on our vocal cords, and and the more stressed we are, the tighter those cords actually become, yeah. and the tighter they are, the higher uh, the pitch goes. Ha. Uh, you have to really relax You go really low. You have to really relax your, your throat.
2: I, w- I will admit I've tried to make my voice lower. Really? But I just get excited and then it goes high again. <laughs> but, I, but for years I would try and talk lower and slower. I always wanted to talk slower. But if I talk slower, my brain actually slows down. And it goes I mean, to
1: sleep before yeah, I and finish. Then, yeah, and then what
2: happens is I'm like, what was I saying? <laughs> I'm like, huh? What? I get halfway in the middle of a sentence. Because, you know, I'm always like, my thought is always at least three sentences least. in my mouth. And right? a block. Yeah. 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 So what happens if I talk slower, then I can't. I can't keep the train between where my brain is and where my mouth is. It just the train gets too long.
1: Well, yeah, and sometimes uh, we actually talk faster than what are we physically are capable of doing. Yeah, you know, and you're going, uh, and you're tripping over your tongue because your mouth literally isn't keeping up with with uh-huh. your brain. Now that's I certainly I know that you and I um, <laughs> who have a tendency to just try and get it all out as quickly as possible. That's because uh, we're afraid
2: we're going to interrupt each other.
1: Well, don't interrupt me. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> um now uh i think you know this is probably before we talk about what else it does uh we should take a break here
2: okay let's do
1: it all right uh we will be back uh, this is things worth considering on voice america talk radio find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time.
1: Find out what makes
2: the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back to
1: Things Worth Considering. And if you were listening, which of course you are, we've been talking about the art of listening. Uh, you know, in uh, some studies that have been done around, the, you know, the whole pitch of the voice and so on, um, the, some of the research is showing that it's associated with attractiveness amongst oh. men and women. Uh, men actually deem women with a higher pitched voice to be more attractive.
2: Hi, Gord.
1: Not that high. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sounds like a little girl. Look um, over here, Gord. <laughs> But yeah, it is. It's very much uh, uh, deemed to be attractive. Whereas you have, you know, uh, women like uh, they have, like these uh, cigarette and scotch voices, like uh, Lauren yeah, McCall, you yeah. know, who's yeah. that really throaty? Apparently, that's not quite as as uh, I, I always thought it was kind of sultry. But apparently, you know, I think Catherine, uh, what's what's the actress uh, uh, Kathleen Turner? Yeah, she has a very deep voice. Yeah, uh, and I, I think they're kind of fun, but I guess maybe not to live with. I mm-hmm. don't know. But that's that's one of the studies that came out of Col- Collins missing in Feinberg, hmm. uh, so so we, we joked about it earlier. Are you listening to me? And he says, Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And uh, on with the dialogue. So how do we learn to listen? That's that's a really hard you know being engaged uh, in a conversation, listening to an instructor. All of those things are very different. Yeah, and require sort of different skills. You know, or yeah. an interest level.
2: Yep, for sure. And I think sometimes. Uh, People, well, I've, I've, seen, I've seen this with students and stuff is people say, oh, you know, I'm not, a, not an auditory learner. And it's kind of like, well, you might not be an auditory learner because you haven't actually exercised that muscle, right? It's <laughs> like, so we have many, many different pathways to uh, learning and stuff like that. And so it's important to exercise all of the pathways so that you can make a choice.
0: Right, as to how you want to learn
2: something. So, yeah. So when people say, "Well, I'm just not naturally a good listener," I just it just makes my hair catch on fire because it's like, "Well, then do something about it."
1: Exactly.
2: Right, work on it.
1: That's like I'm really I'm really not a very caring person usually. (laughs) (laughs) Really, maybe you want to work on that if you want to talk relationally.
2: The way I am, I'm a slob. (laughs) So you know, it's like first you have to get rid of all the distractions. I think right. So this goes back to the whole cell phone. TV, you know, thing that we were talking about earlier, right? It's, exactly. You just have like to.
1: You said, you know, if you're listening you know, with your headphones on and reading, you're not reading.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: There's just two, our brain can do it.
2: Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And your brain goes to the thing that's the easiest thing to do. So listening to music is a lot easier than reading. So if you do the two things at the same time,
1: it's and not comprehending. Read it. Yes. And comprehending. Exactly, it. right? So there could be a test on yeah. it someday.
2: And I think, too, if we focus on the purpose, on the person, and not the problem when we're talking to somebody. Huge. You know, that yep. gets us back to that relational, relationship listening thing.
1: Well, it does. It also, uh, uh, especially if you are talking to a male. Yep. Who has the alphixinitis. Yep. I call it. Yep. Uh, men will instinctively start to tell you what to do. Right. Uh, I know. And, and it's just like, you know, that's not what women were asking. They were asking simply to vent to be heard, to listen, and men immediately cut them off and immediately start telling them how to handle it. Like we're experts or something. Right. In everything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to say that this is not a hard and fast gender thing, although it can be for sure. Yeah. There are gender components. I'm the problem solver person. Like, I just like, I don't want and I'm a therapist. This is scary, right? Sure, it's like, scary. yeah, I'm not that interested in how you feel. I know feelings are there and they're a good thing to talk about and process. But ultimately, like in my own life, it's like, let's, I don't want to talk about that. I'll go pay somebody to go talk about that, with, right? Like, But well, like I just it. want to do, let's figure out what the problem is and let's solve it.
1: Move on. Okay. Right? All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I like I'm glad that. you brought up that it isn't gender specific because there are women like you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but, <laughs> uh, the, you know, really the important part in, in identifying yeah. that is is when someone is, is talking is unless they have specifically asked you for your input. Yeah. Is do not interrupt them. Yeah. Let someone talk. Yeah. You know? and, and don't try and fix it.
2: Yeah. And I, yeah, and I think too. The other thing is when we think about family relationships, when we think about in families, or we think about group dynamics, right? If you think of it as a continuum, there will always be a person who is more solution oriented than the other person. There will always be a person who is more expressive than the other person. And so it's about creating a space in the relationship for the expressive person to express,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the solution oriented person to
1: offer solution if. If asked,
2: if if asked, exactly yes. right.
1: Yeah, often often the solution-oriented uh, person has a tendency, to, and I'm also one of those, is is to just want to put it out there, just get, yeah, uh, move this along quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the the uh, processing and so on. I guess being in the industry, yeah. you know, the business is like, do we have to process everything? Yeah, please, no. Yeah, you know, like does a coffee coffee a cup of coffee need to be processed?
2: Yeah, sometimes you just have to do it. Just do it. Just do it. And yeah. Move on.
1: Yeah. Right? Um, sometimes it just gets a little bit carried away. Um, I've, I've encountered people that are very into the spiritual, and they're like, "Well, I need to like meditate on that." And really, you need to meditate on going for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like, can't your guys? You? Your guys need to tell you it's okay. Yeah. Can't you just go do it? Just go do it. And, and, then, and wrong. then
2: meditate on the experience of having gone done it.
1: Exactly
2: I mean because that's the thing right It's like we're cognitive beings We're spiritual beings We're energetic beings But we're in a corporeal body And the job of the corporeal body Is to move through space and time And get shit done
1: Yeah Right Yeah absolutely Too much shit
2: Yeah, so it's all got to happen at once. So the other thing we can do is listen through to the end of what the person's saying. So that goes along with non interrupting and making space for somebody in the conversation, right?
1: Yeah, as long you know, again, it's sort of this is a bit gender specific. He said, she said, but you know, women have a tendency (coughs) to repeat themselves Ah. and say exactly the same thing over and over, like two, three, four times. Yes, but I think people guys say it once if they even say it.
2: Yeah, but I think people (laughs) repeat themselves because they actually don't think the other person's listening
1: well and that 's probably what their what their uh, uh, growing up experience was it was, but i don 't right. think they 've ever altered it and and actually done a reality check now as a grown up right so I understand that growing up was probably true, but I think at some point you know there needs to be sort of a bit of a checking in that said. Gee, I wonder if this person's even listening. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's really easy to test, you know. Pardon? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You exactly. were saying what? Oh, look. Yeah, it's right and which there. is
2: why. Oh, look, shiny thing. Exactly, right? <laughs> which is why when you're talking to somebody and you want to demonstrate that you're listening, you repeat back to them what it is that they, what you've said, you use their language.
1: Exactly. Right? You, say,
2: you know, you say, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is blah, 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 blah. Right. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. This isn't parroting. I mean, that, that's used simply as an exercise or to truly inflict damage on someone right. is to repeat exactly yeah. right word <laughs> for word what they say back. Right. That's really a learning technique. Yeah. Uh, but to paraphrase that tells a person, you know, it's like, wow, I hear you're really upset that that happened. Yeah. It reinforces for them that yeah. you are listening and yeah. you can hopefully carry on in the conversation. Uh, you know, the other thing too is, is that, if if you just need clarity, is to ask open ended conversation, oh, uh, open ended questions. Yeah, you know to say, is it? It's raining out. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: That is not an open ended conversation. Right. Right. Yep. You want to. So what do you think will happen later this afternoon when it's pouring rain, or actually more precisely, that it's going to be snowing?
2: Mm-hmm. Or how do you feel about the rain this afternoon?
1: Exactly. Right. You know, that's, it's more open-ended. Or what do you have planned for this weekend?
2: I think that's important, because sometimes people don't know actually how they feel about something. They just have a feeling. Yes. So when you ask somebody an open-ended question, how do you feel about the rain this afternoon, right? Uh, they Then it ask them to pause and actually reflect for a moment and go, oh, wait a minute, I feel totally fine about the rain, actually. It's the jerk who was parking in front of me that I was angry about, right. right? Like, so it allows people to actually separate out what's actually happening internally.
1: Or maybe to actually even ask them is mm-hmm. a shock. Mm-hmm. People don't ask people what, what their, their sort of emotional feeling or their reaction or or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, most of us just are satisfied with getting the yes, no. How are you? Fine. Yep. They don't really want to know how we are. Nope. Um, but, you know, now th- this is something that is not not just uh you know something one uses in in a therapeutic environment i mean this is this is something that's anywhere you're meeting someone for the first person uh for the first time i mean just you know it is no there's no faster way to have a conversation killer than to ask closed questions Mm -hmm. yes no maybe no Mm -hmm. is you if you really want to engage someone is ask questions that they actually have to respond to
2: well, you know, this is actually... So I don't know if you know this. I used to be a dating coach. What? I used to help Yeah, I used to do stuff in speed dating. So this is one of the I'm things... I'm still
1: single then? There we... <laughs> nah, we'll work on it.
2: We'll work on it. But one of the things that we would tell... That I, I guess I'll take responsibility, um, would tell people um, whether they're getting ready to do their speed dating thing or whatever like that, right, is to actually ask a question, ask an open-ended question, and then listen for the response, right? And like, so... Because what's really cool, or if, or this works too, if you're at a dinner party that you don't know anybody and you're nervous yes. or whatever, or if you're just like a spy, you're a secret agent, you don't want anybody to know anything about you, right? You want to remain a mystery, is you ask other people questions about themselves, open-ended questions, and when they give you an answer, you ask for more information. Oh, wow, that's really neat. Can you tell me more? How did that feel? Right. So, people will talk about themselves and when the conver- when you leave the conversation, they because they've talked about themselves and because you've given them, you know, uh, positive feedback mm-hmm. through facial expression and stuff like that, people will actually, inter- they will interpret their own good feelings about what they've just talked about. They will they will um, project that onto you. So, then they will feel good about you.
1: Right. Right? That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Right?
2: And, yeah. or they'll say, you know, that Gordy, he's the nicest guy and- and he is right, but it'll be like they don't know anything about.
1: What Gord, do you mean, but? Right, I'm listening. Yeah,
2: but they don't know anything about you. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Because
2: you haven't said anything about you. All you've yep. done is just redirect the conversation back to them.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and that's always really fascinating. You know, in the same way that you know, if someone someone could be so distracted and so much pain, and because they're they're not really being able to take in your story or yeah. your your experience, then they're like, what an asshole. You know, yeah. And uh, uh, did I just say that on the air? I'm you sorry. Did. I take that back you slightly. That was- uh, but they still are. Yeah. Um, you know, is uh, it's it just really throws people that that whole projection piece. Yeah. They, they become the bad guy, and nobody nobody's taking into consideration what that person might actually be going through in that moment. Yeah.
2: Well, the other thing is too, right? So if you're standing there and you're talking to somebody who's really boring, you've got nothing in common with them, and you're just like, oh my god! And they're talking about, you know, that I don't know, they're I don't know, maybe they do taxidermy or something that you totally can't relate to, and you have I love zero taxidermy. No. There you
0: go.
2: <laughs> and you have zero interest in, right? Yeah. Then you just ask questions about uh, you just ask a question about how did you get into that that what what an unusual field to be in right and then you just ask general questions that um, ask them to express their experience right yeah and so yeah
1: and they're more than happy I think more More than happy happy to do that Uh, especially people in unusual uh, unusual things Uh, it it really is asking those kinds of questions that are open-ended it also lets you off the hook Mm -hmm. You, know, you have to do five times as much work to keep coming up with closed-ended e- questions because as soon as – yes, no – Boom, you better have all these questions ready. Mm-hmm. You know? But mm-hmm. if someone you get someone talking, then you can kind of relax into the conversation more. Mm-hmm.
2: And if you do have something in common, then the tendency might be, right, the, it, it's, if they start talking about scuba and you love scuba, for example, and then to the tendency might be to take over the conversation again and then start talking about all your scuba experience, which, okay, is cool, but all you really have to do is say, oh, my God, I totally love scuba.
1: Yes, you know
2: <laughs> when we have when we have time next time. I'll tell you some of my scuba stories. Exactly. We'll scuba stories, right?
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And
2: then focus the conversation back on them again.
1: I think that we become really uh, socially awkward. Um, you know, more and more people, I think, have a, you know some level of social anxiety. And this is one way that really helps just make that. You know, it's not, the whole idea of, like, speed dating and talk to as many yeah. people as you can in one night. And, I mean, that's really stressful. What if you just went in and spoke to someone and just had a conversation for 30 minutes or, or whatever? we would <laughs> probably feel really good. Yeah. But it's like bang, bang, bang. Well, I think bang. that's why
2: people go to therapy. Is yes. Because they don't have anybody to talk to anymore. We don't have, like, we don't have these kinds of relationships where you can... You know, Who's put got stuff time? out there and, you know, and not be judged and that's not right. be worried about what somebody's going to think about you.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Because it certainly I think the clergy has, has lost that position, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in our society as we become more and more secular. Um, not saying that's good, bad or indifferent, but I think the therapist has become the new priest mm-hmm. in many ways, you know, is, is someone that, uh, yes, and non-judgmentally just takes in and talks to us about what's going on in our life in an open-ended, uh, non-judgmental way. And that's kind of how we listen. We listen with an open mind and with an open heart. Right. You know, it's, it's that whole idea of like we hold space for someone. And that means like we don't we don't have to fix them. Mm-hmm. We don't have to find solutions necessarily unless they want to. Uh, we're just simply present for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know and that's a that's a that's a phenomenal way to be and people people really experience the connectedness that that creates
2: right, and if you're listening to somebody you're you you're you are more likely to remember what they say,
1: so Absolutely. even if you're
2: listening to them talk about what their favorite ingredients in spaghetti sauce is, right it means that the next time you eat tomatoes, make, yeah well they're helpful <laughs> you know it means that the next time that you're eating spaghetti together, you'll remember, oh yeah, they really really like the oregano thing, yeah, right, yeah. And then you can say, I bet you're loving that oregano.
1: I'll bet you're loving that basil. Yeah. (laughs) This is in my house. So that's going to bring us up towards the end. If you want to be in touch with Jan and I, we can be reached through uh, info at spiritgrows.ca drop us an email tell us uh, what we can do for you uh, or what uh, what we can talk about that you'd like to hear on the show
2: and what we can listen to
1: what we can listen to
2: exactly
1: we want to listen to you in, uh, oh yeah we just talked uh, if you were in Toronto on uh, Friday, December 13th uh, Transparency Arts College will be hosting our annual Bringing Light to the World ritual and uh, that's our, our Christmas uh, break going into that the event is free donations are greatly appreciated but it's open to everyone at 3300 Young Street just north of the Lawrence subway station, up in Suite 302. Super great. It's super great. It's bringing light to the world. Great. So that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. And uh, we wish you a very good week. And we will be back here again next week on Things Worth Considering. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.